You can go ahead and take a seat. And usually we would dismiss kids at this point, but we don't today, which is awesome. And I'm going to pass it over to Doug, our family ministries pastor. Yay. Yeah, kids, please don't leave. You are my safe harbor. My name is Doug Bridge. I'm the family ministries pastor here. And uh, I'm also semi-retired, which is semi-interesting. Um, it, it seems that my office time now is spent mostly in meetings, uh, but that's a good thing because two of the people that I spend a lot of those meeting times with uh, are two of the people on our staff that you probably know pretty well, Tanny Rice, our children's ministry director, and our new student ministry director, James Williams. Um, I hope that on a regular basis as part of your daily prayer life, you name them by name. I've heard numerous of you over the years say, yeah, I just don't do kids. Well, that's okay because they do. All right, and, but it's with your prayer support that it will make that more wonderful and exciting for them. So if you just be remembering to pray for Tanny and James as they work with our kids and our teens, uh, that they would have the wisdom and creativity and strength to make it through all the wonderful things that are going on. As you see, all you have to do is sing with kids and you can wear yourself out. So uh, be praying for them if you would on a regular basis. And I need to start this like we do just about every children's church with the phrase, today's the best day of the week. Um, I have a great story that I'd love to share. If you want to see me afterwards, I'll tell you about a kid that was at Disneyland and realized it was Sunday and said, oh no, this is the best day of the week. And he was wasting it at Disneyland. Yes! Now you heard the story, you don't need to ask. So we're, we're here together to worship our creator, our savior, our Lord, our friend, and outside of heaven, I'm not sure it gets much better than this. Um, and since the kids are staying with us this morning, we really are like a church family with multiple generations together in the room. And so please be patient if somebody next to you is either younger or older than you, and they don't maybe handle this next little bit quite as well as you do. Um, I'd like to say hello also to those of you that are watching online. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it works with saying names and things. So Sergeant Nephew and your wife and your kids. Gosh, that was harder than I thought, Keith. <laughs> He's in Kansas. It's okay. So today, I'd like to ask a couple favors of all of you. I'd like to ask first from you kids, make sure that you have your worksheets and a crayon. You have a place to take notes as well, if you can do that, but you also have some things that Tanny put together for you that go along with this. And if you don't get it all done in here while we're talking, uh, you can take it home and get it finished. And I also need to remind you that there's something circled on that paper. If you notice the thing that's circled up at the top of that paper, uh, it's a verse that we've been working on, you've been working on for I don't know how long now, uh, probably, this will be your fourth week. Next week, it's due. And if you have the verse memorized by next week, and you can say it for Tanny, who, by the way, is not here this morning. She's spending time with family and getting prepared to uh, be in her brother's wedding. So uh, 
in, in this preparation for this verse, if you have it memorized next week and you can say it to her, I will be there. Do you remember what I do when I come now? The semi-retired pastor, do you remember what my part is? Ah, yeah, I make milkshakes. Yeah, I, get the, I get the good job. It's really fun. So milkshakes next week for everybody that has those verses ready. Uh, now to everyone in the room, uh, I'm going to ask you to be with me this morning. When you work with kids and teens, you get a lot of interaction. When it comes to this room, it's different. <laughs> that was good, though. That was good. Thank you. Um, it's, it's much easier for me to know if you're with me, if you're responding appropriately, of course. Um, and so when it comes around time for you think there might be a response, go ahead. And, you know, and if you're that kid, go ahead anyway. Um, so what we're going to do here is I did this actually on Christmas morning. Because if you remember, Christmas fell on Sunday this last year. Um, I gave you some key words that were starters of our core statements, and you all finished them for me. And it's just to kind of get you warmed up to realize that if you talk in church at the right time, it's okay. So here we go. I'm going to give you, I gave you two, three, even four Q words last time. This time, I'm going to give you two the first time, and everything else is only going to be one word. If you're new this morning, don't panic. We don't expect you to know this. And if you've only been here a couple of weeks, you've only heard it a couple of times, you might not know it yet. But the rest of you, you're on the hook. So here we go. First two words, from wherever. Not bad. Not bad. It was a much better Christmas morning. But, but I gave a much longer intro. Okay, so that was from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. Or from wherever you are to where God wants you to be. Now I'm only giving you one word for the next four. You ready? Here they go. Do. That was good because somebody over here got the first and then there were a bunch of second firsts. And that was good. So let's try that one one more time. Do. Much better. And some of you are going, I don't know these. That's why we do them. So that you'll learn them. It's a good thing. Don't. Ooh, one more time. Don't which is why we're here this morning and why we have small groups and why we call this a family because we don't do life alone. Here comes the next one, saved. Oh, yes. Now, careful, some of you know these so well that you want everybody around you to know that you know them and you're going faster than everybody so that you finish first. It's a child trick. You did it in your teens and careful. So here we go, let's try that one one more time, saved. Good, good. And the last one, followers. One more time, it was followers say follow me. Ready? Followers. Good job. Well done. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, no milkshake. Nice, though. And there's the kid. Okay. <laughs> and it keeps things light, so thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to ask you to go with me through James chapter 4, the first 10 verses this morning. We're going to do that together, uh, but I want to make sure that we do it in a way that we're thinking the same thing about certain terms that come up. Um, 
Some of you will notice that we're going to use different translations than you may have, and there will be a purpose for that. And if I need to explain that to you adults that have different translations, I'd be happy to speak to you afterwards about why. And then you'll be going, oh, duh. Okay. So here we are. Um, James 4, interestingly enough, starts out with bad news. Then it moves on to very good news. I hope that's how you function when somebody says you want the good news or the bad news first, because you're going to get the bad news first. Uh, then we'll move on to the, the good news. And there are basically five key words. There are some great words in here, but five of them that we're going to focus on this morning. And the first two look like this. Selfish and pride. You're all warmed up. Can somebody kind of give me an idea of what it means to be selfish? Say it again. Good, I could hear you that time. Thank you. Way to go. Thanks, Bobby. Self-absorbed is perfect. Yes, it's... You ready for a really simple, simple one? You worship you instead of God. Or I'll make it personal. I worship me instead of God. That's selfish. Um, how about pride? Anybody else something different, a nuance in, in a definition of pride? This side of the room is doing good. Anybody over here? Puffed up. Oh, excellent. That's, that's really good. Um, yeah, it's, it's this idea of feeling superior to others. Um, in so superior, as a matter of fact, that you're insensitive to what they need. Um, but you're pretty good on what you need. And for you kids, the easiest thing I can think of to look at this is check out the word pride and look at the letter that's right in the middle. Yeah, I is in the middle of everything when you have pride. I, 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 I need, I want, I. So as long as we have those fairly well understood and, and understand too that they are sort of related to each other. Usually a prideful person is very selfish. Usually a selfish person is very prideful. They can be mixed. Let's look at our first section of scripture together. I'll look on this one now. It goes this way. Do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish, there's that word, selfish desires that make war inside you. You want things, but you do not have them. So you're ready to kill and are jealous of other people, but you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and fight. Let's take a pause. For those of you whose families have children in them, I'm sure this does not reflect your home. There are never arguments or fighting. Oh, yeah, well, okay, so they're talking to us here. So you argue and fight. You, not, you do not get what you want because you do not ask God. Or when you ask, you do not receive because the reason you ask is wrong. You want things only so you can use them for your own pleasures. So for those of you that like to fill in blanks, you have so many blanks this morning. I hope you are happy. I can't do any more blanks. I have no blanks left. So the first two go like this. Selfish motives equal pride. If you're feeling like you're in an arithmetic 
class of some kind, it gets worse. Just saying. So this whole idea of being selfish and prideful is something that we've all been on the receiving end of. When somebody treated us poorly, um, did things in a way that only served themselves and left us out, made us feel unwanted, unneeded, but we've probably also been on the dishing outside of it as well. Um, this idea of I in the middle of pride is a, a sad commentary. We used to speak of this in children's church, and I don't know if Tanny, I, I only say used to because I don't know if Tanny still uses it, but there were times where someone would be acting in a way that was inappropriate, and I would just look at them and put a smile on my face and say, you realize you're not the center of the universe. And then we'd move on. But don't we sometimes feel like we are? Everything is about us and about our needs and about what's going on and, and this idea of being selfish or even prideful is pretty rough. Let's move on to a couple more verses. James 4, 4 through 5 says, you are not faithful to God. Don't you know that to be a friend of the world is to hate God? So anyone who chooses to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. I want to make sure we understand when it says world, we're not talking about the people in it. We're talking about the things in the world that get us to follow that instead of following God. When we put the world and all the things that it seems to offer us ahead of God. Watch any commercial and it's going to be appealing basically to you or you or you. That's what the appeal is always designed for. A very, very few commercials have ever been made where it's about how you can help others. There are some, and as soon as there are, people just take note and, and go crazy because it, it's not a typical commercial. So this idea of... I don't want to be, oh, that's the next verse. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. Can we go back to the other one? I'm sorry. I, I don't want to be God's enemy. I'm pretty sure nobody in this room wants to be God's enemy. And yet, do we act in a way that places us in that category? Now, let's look at five. Sorry. Sorry about that. Don't you know what scripture says? God wants the Spirit in us to belong only to Him. God caused the Spirit to live in us. Don't you think Scripture has a reason for saying this? I, I love that line that it, it's very similar in almost every translation that you read. It's kind of like James is saying, duh, don't you get it? Why do you think the Bible says this if it's not important? And so these two verses... You blank people, here you go. Lots of blanks. Not as many as a few, but we had selfish motives equal pride, and now if you take pride and add to it the world's friend, you become God's enemy. Simple arithmetic. Again, we're not talking about people. We're talking about the things that draw us away from following God. Things that are 
things that draw us away from having a relationship with him that he wants to have with us. I'm pretty sure I don't understand everything in the Bible. But I'm also pretty sure I understand this. And I do not want to be an enemy of God when he wants to be my friend. Okay, big point. We've hit a lot of the heavy stuff. You ready for this? This is possibly the biggest blank you've ever filled in in your life. Here it comes. There you go. Even for those of you kiddos in here who aren't really writing yet, I'll bet you can scrape up an O and an R and have some fun with that. Or, so mostly the bad news at that point. Now we're going to move on to some of the good news. And uh, if you remember, a couple weeks ago, Doug Freeman was up here, the other Doug. And he was talking about how each of the pastors he felt were kind of known for something. He was known for having a joke. And usually they're pretty funny. Um, Pastor Jim was known for uh, making funny noises. Sound, uh, sound effects. There we go. Sound effects. Um, I believe Andrew was referred to as the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, right? Uh, David, what were, you, what were you referred to as? The music guy. Um, I, it had to have been something else, but whatever it was. And then I got the deal about, you know, he, he has a passion for kids or something like that. And if I'm going to be known for something, that was really a good thing for me to be known as. But since I don't have a great joke to bring and I don't want to be in competition with something outside of my league, I have this for you that is something. It's just a little thing. It involves a kid. Um, Yes, I know the kids, and I got permission to put his face up here. Um, you might not hear exactly the words that are being spoken. The words are just this. You don't change it. Right? No response. Unless you're under one. Then something else happens. Here you go. Jordy, you don't change it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't change it. <laughs> you don't change it. And in my book, that beats a joke any day. So while little things amuse little minds and why that phrase happened to, you know, tickle his fancy at that moment, there's an actual story behind that. But I will say that Rick and Lori Peterson, you have an amazing grandson right there. Okay. Just saying. And for those of you that don't know the familiar deal, that's my grandson too. Okay. So now we're to the or. Uh, we've, we've kind of been beat up by those first verses in James chapter 4. And if you go back and read those, um, read them in multiple translations. It, it really hits home pretty hard in a number of ways. We're going to look at three more words, the last three of our five words that we were going to focus on today. Humble, submit, and obey. And for some of you, I just swore. Because one of those words has become fighting terms in a lot of circles. But we're going to go with what the Bible is talking about this morning, and we're going to talk about those. So anybody have a definition for humble? Sincere? Good, that's good. What was the other one? Gentle. Gentle, thank you. 
Gentle, sincere. Yeah. Again? Nice. Surrendered. Wow. One more time. Okay. Humble. Good job. Thank you, everybody. You're doing much better today than I had anticipated. Um, now we get to the one that for some people has become a dirty word. Submit. It's taken so out of context and it's been so abused. It isn't the word that was wrong. It was the abusers of the word that were wrong because submission is an amazing thing. This idea of being surrendered is carried in there for sure. What else? What else does it mean to submit? Obey. Thinking of others. Oh, ding, 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 ding. That wraps them all up. Not that that was the only one I was looking for, but did you read my notes? Because that's what it says right here. Um, we don't want to get caught up in the cultural misinterpretation of biblical terms. We've got to be careful that we don't do that. Just because the world says it means this, when you're reading the Bible, you need to know what it means. And it means really placing oneself humbly, gently under somebody's authority. To submit requires humility. It's very, very difficult to submit correctly and not be humble. I don't know that it's possible. And interestingly, one of the words given to define submit was obey. Who said it? Who said obey earlier? Nice job, Selah. Way to go. So this idea of obey means putting yourself under somebody's authority and doing as you're instructed. It's always easier to obey somebody when you know they love you, when you know they care about you, when they know that what they're telling you is for your own good. But kids in this room, you know that sometimes, you know your parents care for you. You know your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, whoever. They care for you and they love you, but you don't always want to obey. It's the same for adults, kids. We don't always want to obey. Sit in a 45 mile an hour speed limit sometime and check it out. There's no obedience going on there. And if it's 25, there's even less obedience. So, so now that we've kind of put a biblical spin to this humble submit and obey, let's look at another verse and some. But God continues to give us more grace. By the way, grace is a cool word, and we didn't make it one of our five this morning. But don't you love grace? Grace is receiving something I don't deserve. Oh, I love that. <sighs> Gives us more grace. That's why scripture says, God opposes those who are proud, but he gives grace to those who are humble. So obey God. Other translations say, so submit to God. And so I humbly submit to you that here are some more blanks to fill in. Here and here. So we had selfish motives equal pride. Pride plus the world's friend equals God's enemy. And then we're moving in to the positive side of this. If we humbly submit to God, it equals us receiving his 
grace. I want to receive his grace. This is the beginning of the big answer to the question no one ever wants to be heard saying out loud. The question is, why should I humbly submit to God and obey him? I can do it myself. I got this. I can handle this. The beginning of the big answer is found here in some of the verses that are following. Here it says he gives grace to the humble. Spurgeon made an interesting comment, and if you don't know him, he's a a preacher from way back, an expositor of God's word. He said, if he, God, were a tyrant, it might be courageous to resist. But since he is a father, it's ungrateful to rebel. You know, I love grace. I love it because grace means receiving something I didn't earn, that I don't deserve, and basically my life is full of grace. Let's look at the last couple verses we're going to look at together today. Let me turn this way. Here we go. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. By the way, don't try this at home by yourself. Only resist the devil with God. Don't resist him by yourself. That would be prideful and selfish. So that's assumed here. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Now, some of you are saying, I thought this was the positive part. I thought this was the good news. Well, the good news is we're hearing what the good news is and realizing how short we're falling from where God wants us. And, and so to humble ourselves... We're, we're not just going blithely on our way and ignoring this or out the doors and into the parking lot and forgetting what we talked about, but instead going home and reading James 4 again and reading James 5 for next week and, and letting the words sink in and allowing them to become the challenge that we need because, and here are all the blanks. You ready for this? This is a good one. If you resist the devil, plus you come near to God, the devil runs and God comes near to you. That sounds like a good deal to me. The devil runs and God comes near, but it's based on my humble submission through obedience to him. More of the big answer here to that question Why do I need God? Why do I need to obey him? Why do I need to submit to him? Because when we humbly submit to God and we come close to him, he comes close to us and he lifts us up in honor. Man, that's a deal. That's an arithmetic problem I can sink my teeth into. So I'm going to ask you, to fill in some words for me now. No, no more blanks necessarily, um, except when I pause. We talked about two negative words this morning that are things we have to be careful of. 
It was selfish and good. And the letter right in the middle of pride is. But the three words that we want to really make a part of who we are on a daily basis, moment by moment. First, we want to be humble. Then we need to. And then we need to. Oh, you are good. Oh, you left him up there. Oh, you're not that good. You're that smart. That's what you are. Uh huh. One more time. You ready? Selfish and humble. Good. Wow. You are good. You're very good. So this morning, I don't know where you're at in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to begin by getting that started. And I would just say, what would keep you from doing that today? Maybe you need to become more humble. Or maybe submission needs to become something that's not a bad word, but a good thing. Maybe obedience to God's desires for your life is a huge obstacle right now. You know what he wants you to do? You just haven't been ready to do it yet. Again, don't do it alone. Ask God for his help. So what will you be spending your time on this week? Will you be a friend of the world? A friend of God? And if those are any of the things that are going through your mind this morning and you would like someone to pray with you or pray for you about those things, um, there are going to be people right over here who would just totally enjoy uh, spending time with you in that way, coming alongside and praying with you and for you. This idea of selfishness and pride can sometimes get in the way of asking others to help us. But you remember we talked at the beginning about being a church family? If you don't have somebody praying for you on a regular basis and they don't know what your most current need is, don't be selfish. Share that with someone. Don't be prideful. Allow others to support you and build you up and bear your burdens. Those are all things that are mentioned in Scripture. And perhaps being obedient to God's will is just that next thing, that, that next step that you need to take. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you understand us so well. We thank you that you allowed James to put these words together from you so that we could understand just clearly how life can be lived in a great way and what problems need to be overcome if things are not the way we want them to be. Father, help us to stay away from selfish thoughts and prideful attitudes. God, teach us to be humble. Help us. Help us to be able to submit to you in complete and total obedience. Father, we would just ask, too, as we leave this place, that we might spend more time talking to you, more time in your word. And Father, for those who aren't with us here this morning, um, would you be with them? Father, if they're away uh, on vacation, keep them safe.
they're facing health issues, God, would you, would you be with them and allow them to sense your presence in ways that are even new to them? Father, work your will in each of our lives. We thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for this church family, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.